And good morning, everybody. Good morning, Shelly. <laughs> Hey, we uh, are doing some different things here this morning. You'll notice that we don't have the chairs in rows. We've got the chairs in tables. Today is fall launch. And the reason we're putting the tables this way is because we're recognizing that today we at GRX are launching all of our different small groups, like Jeff said at the beginning of service. So you've got some names of small groups posted on the wall. You've got names of the small groups on your tables. And what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to encourage people to join up in small groups, get to know one another, and to build community together, to create community with one another. And that's what we're going to look at a little bit this morning. That's why we've got the table set up like this. We're going to play around a little bit today. We're going to get to know each other a little bit. Because here at GRX, what we're doing is we are creating home. We are creating a spiritual home for people here in Silicon Valley. Right here in this area, we're creating a place that can be home for you, for me, for us because we live in a culture where we really do need to support one another, encourage one another, be for one another as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I believe that each of us, each of us have a deep longing to belong. I believe that each of us want to have some place where we can be received, where we can be accepted for who we are. Not for what we've achieved, not for what we've accomplished, but for who we are. To be loved and cared for and accepted and to also love and care and accept and serve other people. That's all in this idea of home. And that's what we're hoping to create, and that's what we're longing to create here at GRX. We do that a couple of different ways. One of the ways we create home is right here on Sunday morning. We gather together, we worship, we connect with each other, we talk, we're, we, we're singing together, we worship, we're before the Word. Another way that we create home, community, relationships, is through our small groups. And that happens all throughout the week, all over the South Bay. And that's why we're encouraging people to get into small groups. Now, we're going to play around a little bit today during the message. We're going to do some different things. Maybe you've never done anything like this before. And if this is your first time with us, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're here with us. Um, This is the first time in my life that we've ever had Play-Doh on the table for um, part of the preaching message. But you're going to see why we're doing this in just a second. Let me invite you right now to go ahead and reach into that bin and get out some Play-Doh. Go ahead and get some of yours own. And uh, we're going to get into, this is actually, this makes sense actually with the message. So kind of bear with me here. All right. All right. Does everybody have a jar? Does, Does anyone need a jar? Anyone need one? All right. Okay, good. Everyone's got one. I hope you've got a color that you enjoy. This is a, go ahead and pop that bad boy open and uh, take that out. And, uh, oh man, 
This is like the child protective tops. Yeah. All right. And go ahead and um, as you pull that out, what I'm going to ask you to do is um, this is our this is our small group activity. I'm going to ask you to make something that brings you joy. Just go ahead and make something that brings you joy. Create something. What's that going to be? Okay. So go ahead. You're going to have to think about that a little bit. Figure out something that makes you joy. Something that brings you joy. Go ahead and make something. Don't think too hard about it. Like, I already made mine right here. Um, I made an ice cream cone. Right there. I love ice cream. Oh, Ray is looking at me going, what? That doesn't look like it. That's my ice cream cone, Ray. So, go ahead and make something that brings you joy. It takes just like a, a minute or so to make something like that. And... Um, around your tables, what I'd like you to do, and we'll have about seven minutes to do this. The counter is up on the, the wall there. Go ahead and make something that brings you joy. And then when you've made that thing, just go ahead and share about that. Go ahead and share about that with the person. That, you know, if you, if, you, uh, if you made something, you can share. Just say, hey, ice cream makes me, gives me joy. And, and I'm going to share about that. And so we're going to have seven minutes to go ahead and make something and then go ahead and share in your tables. And also share your name. Share your name. So say, hi, I'm Scott. This is an ice cream cone. And this gives me joy. This brings me joy. So go ahead. You've got seven minutes to do that. All right. You know, that was, that was fantastic. Now, one of the things that we were doing in that is just, you know, we all have things that we enjoy. We all have common grounds. And we all have stories that we can tell. Now, one thing that was striking, I was talking to this table back here, that no one, I didn't see really anybody that made anything about their work. <laughs> so I wonder what that, I wonder what that has to say. What that has to say. You know, as we look at creating community together, you know, we are in the business of creating community. We are at the, about the calling of creating community. It's really similar to what you were creating there with the Play-Doh and what we were creating just around these tables. We create these spaces for us to get to know one another, to share about our lives, and to build up one another, to encourage one another, to build into each other's lives, and to create things together. We create Play-Doh, we create stories, we create goodness, we create community in our small groups. Jesus Christ was about creating community. And we're going to look at a passage today in John chapter 13 about when Jesus was creating community with his closest disciples, with his small group. When Jesus created community with the twelve, he told them that there was something essential that they needed to be doing to create a small group together. And that essential thing was serving. The essential thing that Jesus told his small group 
to do with one another is to serve. And we're going to look at this, and I'm going to read this passage out of John chapter 13, and read verses 1 through 17. And look at how often Jesus talks about serving, servanthood, and how he tells his disciples, do this, serve one another. That's what he tells them to do. And then after we look at that, I'm going to offer just a couple of reflections about um, what's going on and how serving shows up in our small groups and in our community. So while, while I'm talking... While I'm reading, feel free to keep playing with the Play-Doh. I know that some people listen better when they're tactilely engaged and just, just working on something. So feel free and, um, and just go ahead and do that. Just feel free to do that. John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, to depart out of this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And then here's the scene. Jesus is with his disciples at dinner, at supper. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, that's to betray Jesus, then Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, And that he had come from God, and Jesus was going back to God, rose from the supper. He laid his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So you get the scene here. Jesus is there at supper with his disciples, with his small group. And he takes a towel and he wraps it around his waist and he takes a basin of water and then he goes to each of the disciples and he begins to wash their feet. In the midst of this, while the meal is being served, he goes around to each one and begins to physically, to literally wash their feet with water and with the towel. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And that was a completely cultural, culturally expected response from Peter. We're going to get into that a little bit later. Peter says, whoa, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. It's a mystery. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. You, Jesus, will never wash my feet. That's a completely appropriate cultural thing for Peter to say. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share of me. Be cut off from Jesus? So then Simon quickly changes, and Simon Peter says to him, Lord, not only my own feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. And here John gives a great parenthetical, for he knew who was to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. See, Jesus knew Judas Iscariot was going to betray him, so he wasn't clean. But we're not going to look at that. We're going to look at the serving part. 
When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Can you catch that? I've given you an example. You should also do as I have done to you. Serve. Amen, amen, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent me. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Now, what's going on here? Why is Peter so resistant? What's going on with foot washing in this first century context? It was the tradition, it was the culture to actually wash someone else's feet. The roads are dusty, the roads are dirty. There's animals walking on the road, there's stuff that's on the road. And people are walking in open, open shoes. They're walking in sandals. When you're walking along in the roads in the first century, it's dusty. It's really dirty. And when you go to someone's house, the cultural uh, expectation, the, com- the common cultural thing is for the host to come and bring water for the guest. You bring water to the guest. It's a sign of hospitality. And then one of two things would usually happen. When the host would bring the water, then that one of two things would happen. Either one, the guests would wash their own feet and clean off the dust, clean off the muck from the road. Or the second thing is that the host would provide a servant to wash the feet of the guest. In that culture, you had guests who were honored and they were of a higher status than a servant who was of lower status. So you would have a high status person have their feet washed by a lower status person. That would do that. Or the guests would wash their own own foot. What do we see in Jesus? Jesus is the kurios. He's the Lord. Jesus says, I, you've called me teacher and Lord. Lord, the kurios, means Lord over. It means master. It means owner. If you're the master or the Lord or the owner, you are someone of incredibly high status. You are the Lord over this thing. But it's not just Lord, kurios. It's also teacher, Didaskalos. It's not, the, it's not the Hebrew word rabbi, which you would think teacher, rabbi, Jewish rabbi. It's not rabbi. It's didaskalos. And didaskalos is also teacher, but it means teacher and master. Teacher and leader. Think of like a headmaster in a school, like a principal. Didaskalos, it's in Romans, it shows up there. It's as the one that is over the education. And Jesus uses this double term. You call me Lord, 
Kyrios, Lord and Master, owner, and teacher, Didaskalos, Master, teacher. And that is right, because that's what I am. That's why Peter is so correct in his cultural understanding of saying, not you, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet because you are up here, Lord, owner, master, teacher, and I'm down here. I should be washing your feet. You shouldn't be washing my feet. What Jesus did here was completely different than what was the cultural expectation. We see Jesus here modeling a service, modeling service where he sets aside culturally what he should be doing. But it's not just any kind of service. It's a messy kind of service. It's a messy kind of service. It's the kind of service that is, it's not, it's not just clean. It's not like Jesus is going there actually laying out the food. He is there washing the dust and the dirt and the grime off of his disciples' feet. It's a messy, messy kind of service. That's the kind of service that Jesus is modeling for his small group, his 12 people, cleaning up the messy stuff for them as an expression of service. So let me offer two reflections then about this. First of all, Jesus himself with his small group models serving. He models serving as a way for the disciples to be with one another. I mean, there's a lot of ways that people are with one another in relationship. But what Jesus models for his small group is serving. Serving. Taking someone else's needs and putting them above your own. Now, Jesus, as Lord and Master and Owner, is working completely against and in complete conflict with his prevailing culture and expectations. He's working completely against his cultural expectations. And what I'd suggest this morning is that as we today serve one another, we're also working against the cultural expectations and the cultural climate that we're swimming in. And let me give you an example of that. It's just one example of how serving for us today works culturally differently than our expectations. We swim in a consumer-oriented culture. I mean, I think most people would agree with that when you look at our culture. We live in a consumer-oriented culture. It's the messages all around us. It, it's, it's just everywhere. It's pervasive in the media. It's pervasive in our upbringing. It's pervasive everywhere in our culture, consuming. And so how does that sometimes show up within Christian community? Let me offer a few perspectives, a few illustrations. Sometimes consumer culture creeps in to Christian community like this. 
it creeps in in the kinds of questions that, that, that a consumer culture might ask. So, so a person might come to a Christian community, a small group or a church, and they leave and they're saying, hmm, did I have a good feeling about the worship? Did I like that preacher? Was he funny? Was he entertaining? Uh, how did that group meet my needs. These are sort of little pervasive consumeristic ways to think about Christian culture. But Jesus interrupts that kind of cultural thinking. Because Jesus is saying, hey, it's not about your needs. It's not about how you feel. It's about serving I mean, imagine it this way. If instead of a paradigm that asks a consumer question that would say, did the group meet my needs? A serving paradigm asks, whose needs did I meet this morning? A consumer paradigm asks, did I get blessed and encouraged in my small group? But a serving paradigm asks, who did I bless today in my small group? Who did I encourage? Who did I love? Who did I edify? Whose feet did I wash when the Christian community was gathered? Jesus here is being completely countercultural countercultural to ask when we are gathered in small group or on Sunday morning, how are we serving, loving, encouraging, and edifying one another? John F. Kennedy, in his famous quotation, asked, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what can you do for your country. Now, John F. Kennedy is a great guy, but I'm going to improve upon that statement, in my humble opinion. Ask not what your Christian community can do for you, but ask what you can do for your Christian community. Ask what you can do for your Christian community. I'm going to invite us to to have a bit of a time of just a small group discussion. And just given where we are in the service and the time, I'm going to ask you to just tackle this one question. Um, This first question that will be up on the screen because we won't have time for both. But who is someone in your life who is a great model of that should be serving? Who is someone in your life who is a great model of serving? Okay? And we're just going to take a few minutes to go ahead and do that. But let me invite you to go ahead and just discuss around the tables. Who is someone that you know in the church, in your family, at your work? Who is someone that's a great model of serving? So you go ahead and, and share that. Maybe we'll take about five minutes to do that. You can put, you know, five minutes on the counter. Is that possible? Give or take? All right. Thanks, Winford. Thank you.
Who's someone who's a great model of serving? All right. Hey, I'm going to uh, move us on to the second reflection here. And I love this about this passage because it reminds us again that uh, serving one another isn't always super clean. That sometimes serving is messy. Um, and and uh, I know Plato sometimes can be a little bit messy as well. Serving can sometimes get a little bit messy. And, and, and it can be an obstacle for us to join in with relationship, with church, with uh, small group. Because uh, I, don't know if it, I don't know if you're like this, but I like things kind of clean. I like things kind of buttoned up. I like things kind of neat and within their boundaries and everything. But as soon as you start being in relationship, an authentic relationship with people, then things start getting a little bit messy. Things start getting a little bit uncomfortable, inconvenient, things like that. And, and it's hard because when we start serving people, it begins to get messy. And sometimes in relationship, the mess that is in somebody else's life ends up getting onto our life and getting our life kind of messed up too. That's what I love about Jesus when he's there washing the feet of the disciples. That the mess that is on the feet of the disciples gets on Jesus too. When he's there at their feet cleaning off the grime and the dirt and the animal stuff that's on their feet, when he's down there as he's cleaning off that mess and serving them, that mess gets on him. And sometimes in relationships, the mess that's out there, the chaos that's out there in other people's relation, in lives, relational lives, that mess can sometimes get on us. But when we serve and love and care for each other in the groups, in our community, it's the kind of serving in someone else's mess that leads to love and relationship and fellowship and authentic community. Because I don't know if it's like you, I don't want just all these relationships that are just sort of at the surface and sterile and sealed in plastic. I want relationships that are real. I want relationships that are authentic and relationships that are true, which means that they're going to be relationships that have a little bit of messy along with them. Now, I see this messy, relational, loving service happening all over our church and all over with our small groups. I'm going to just name a few things. I'm not going to say names of people, but you know who you are. And this is what I've seen in our community. I see people visiting other people who are in the hospital. And I tell you, in a hospital, there's a lot of mess in a hospital. And I see people there going to the hospital to visit other people. I see people here within GRX taking care of other people's kids and helping out families who are really stressed and who are in a tough spot. Other people picking up other people's kids from school. Other people watching other people's kids after school. 
It's, it's, and when you got kids, you know, you got mess. But they're taking in other people's kids as a way to serve and love and care for people. That's happening here at Jurex. I see people in small groups staying to clean up after a really great church community event. You have a great event, and then I see people cleaning up afterwards to serve the community. Yeah, amen to that. You can stay and clean up with us. I see people at the ministry center after their small group late at night hanging out in the parking lot. Just there. Just there. Talking till midnight, one in the morning. They're out there just building relationship. Just building relationship. Letting that time just go. Not worrying about the next day. Not worrying about getting home. Just, just being there for people. Serving people. Creating that space to listen and to love one another. It's the type of service that isn't glamorous. But Jesus doesn't call us to be glamorous. Jesus calls us to be in authentic, loving, serving relationships with each other. Jesus calls us to create community with one another that is marked by service. A new relationship, a new small group, is a little bit like a new baby. A new relationship is a little bit like a new baby. New babies, they're cool. But new babies, yeah, they come with a lot of mess. But they also come with real love, real joy, and real life. And that's what I long for in our small groups, that we would get into real life with each other. We would really be serving one another, that we'd really get into the real life and the real mess and the real joy with one another. So today, today, if you're not in a small group, I encourage you and invite you to fill out one of those orange half sheets And to get plugged in, to get known, to belong with us, and to make GRX your home, your community, your place where we live out and live into what it means to be disciples of Jesus Christ here today in the South Bay in Silicon Valley. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you call us to be community with one another. God, I thank you that you give us the gift of being in small groups and that you yourself modeled what it would be to be in a small group as you modeled foot washing with your disciples. God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit on us. Give us eyes to serve. Give us hearts and hands to love other people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.